live from Rwanda, this is The Afternoon Show with Dr. Harine Otieno. Hello, hello everyone. It's a great time to be back again on air. This is your very own doctor, Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist joining you from the heart of the land of a thousand hills that is Rwanda joining you from Kigali. I hope you are going to have a great time linking up again and talking about issues related to Africa's education matters. Looking forward Live to the interaction. Live from Rwanda, this is The Afternoon Show with Dr. Harine Otieno on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much. If you are tuned in to Teachers Talk Radio, then all we would like you to do is talk it out. So there are different ways of talking it out during this live show. We have the text, um, uh, an opportunity to interact and talk, to, talk it out using uh, the text, but you could also share your thoughts as we continue with our conversation today through our various Twitter handles. We have the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter handle. Please share your thoughts, your main um, ruminations as we have our conversation today. And of course, you can always tag me on Dr. Otieno M, which is our my Twitter handle. But it's very, very exciting to be here today. It's been ages since I was on air, perhaps two weeks already uh, for a number of reasons. But the most important thing is Africa's own education doctor, and Education Evangelist is back on air. And of course, I am back on air on that very special radio that we have, that is Teachers Talk Radio, a platform where we come as teachers and educationists and talk one to another and share our experiences. So welcome once again, welcome. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today and I'm happy to see that our guest for today is already in the house. So today we are going to have a very special conversation. This is going to be an introduction to a long conversation we are going to have around issues related to instructional designs in Africa's classrooms. We want to find out what is going on across Africa. What are the similarities? What are the differences? Why the differences and what can we learn from each other from across the continent? And of course, Teachers Talk Radio is global, so we also look forward to learning or hearing from our fellow teachers from other parts of the world. So please make sure you're comfortable, make sure you can be able to participate or listen to the conversation and ensure that you're ready to talk it out, talk it out. And as a way I'm going to try and ask us, if you're here, please introduce yourself on the text. Which country are you joining us from? Which country are you joining us from? So please feel free to introduce yourself. Let's try out the text, type out your name, and please tell us which country you are tuning in from. It's been a while. It's been a while since Africa's own education doctor was back on air. I mean, was on air, but I'm happy to be back. It's, it's a very interesting Sunday. I have just come from a long drive, over three hours drive. I've been away from Kigali for the last three days, and I've been out in the rural, part, rural parts of Rwanda 
interacting with education stakeholders, the head teachers, uh, the district education leaders, having conversations related to interventions, especially one that is supposed to strengthen aspects of learning. How do we ensure that we are not just teaching, but we, our students are also learning. So I've had some very interesting conversations with the head teachers in Rwanda around that. And today's topic actually dovetails really well to the kind of conversations I've been having the whole, the last three days. And of course it started even earlier on. So today we are here and we're going to be talking about just looking at timetables. We have timetables in our schools to guide our lessons through the timetables. We know which lessons we are teaching in a specific day through the timetables. We know how many lessons are going to be taught in a particular day. And of course, the timetable helps to outline how long each lesson is. So in the course of the week, as I drove around the beautiful parts of Rwanda, seeing all the different hills, they're interacting with part of their thousand hills. I kept conversation with some of our teachers from across the continent, and I asked them to share with me their timetables, their timetables. And I'm happy to have received timetables from Namibia. I received timetables from Ghana. I received timetable from Kenya. I have some timetable with me from Ghana. And I also have feedback on what's going on in Zimbabwe. So we have a fair share of representation of what timetables, how are our classes organized across the continent? Is there any common thread? Is it based on any basic reasoning drawn from education research? Um, our lessons the same uh, length of time or are they different and if they're different why are they different so yes today we're going to have a very special guest with us from Ghana and we have with us Mark who is um, a teacher for over 16 years and he's also a curriculum lead so he's going to introduce himself even more and tell us what else he is doing within the education um, sector so I'm going to ask Mark Mark if you can see the call in um, a place I am imagining you already have your headphones on or your earphones on. So Mark, please, I can see you in the house. If you can see where there is a call in place, please call in so that I can admit you as one of the speakers because all our guests, our live listeners are waiting to hear your voice and for you to jump into the conversation. So please, uh, Mark, please call in. I can see you already and um, look for the call in on your gadget and call in and then I will allow you, I mean, I will admit you to be one of the guest speakers. But as we go on, I can see that indeed we have quite a number of uh, live listeners, a number of them, of course, coming from our very own country, Rwanda. So welcome on board. If you're from Rwanda, I can see some people from Rwanda from a district called Ngororero District. Welcome on board. It's really my pleasure to have you with us. And of course, those of us who are away out of Rwanda, please, if you can, or if you may, Please let me know where you are tuning in from also so that we know who else is in the house and how we can ensure that we are talking to each other. So welcome on board all of us who are here. I can see a number of us are from Rwanda, but if also if you are from outside Rwanda, please uh, come on board. Let me just call my guest and see if um, I need to help guide him on how to join as a speaker because I can see he's already um in the room so as we wait for our guests to come in i think it's been quite a long time i mean as i said i've been away for the last two um two weeks yes mark 
Are you able to call in? Um, did you register an account? Um, sorry? What, what I suggest is if you registered an account, I'm going to suggest that maybe you sign out and sign back in and see if you'll be able to see your call in. Because you should be able to see call in if you are, if registered an account. If you didn't register an account, you will not be able to call in. Okay, so let's, why don't we try you signing out uh, from the show and then you sign back in and see if that will uh, help things out. So um, yeah, we'll just wait for you. Don't worry, just try it out. So thank you very much for those of us who are joining. I'm just um, talking uh, with our guest for today. He's having a little bit of problem joining in, but I expect that he should be able to join in. I can see somebody else is calling. I'm going to try and give it a try. Make sure if you are calling, make sure you have an earphone on. So it's okay for you to call in and say something because this is teacher's talk radio. So we talk to each other. But if you do not have a headphone, I am not going to allow you in because if you call in, then we are going to have an echo on your side. So thank you very much for joining. So I was just saying it's been quite some time, but it's been a very joyous ride hosting this show every afternoon. And, and of course, those of us who are from Rwanda, those of us who are from Kenya, uh, you realize that uh, uh, the, times have, the time has changed a little bit. We used to have this show at 4 o'clock, and now we are having it at um, 5 o'clock. So great. We have our, our guests um, joining us uh, on already, so that's really good. Let's wait for him to join. So it's been quite a ride for a number of um, a number of months since july we've been having this show and we've had some very interesting topics having conversations here the last time we had a conversation on this show we were talking about the celebration of world teachers day and looking at what's the pattern across the continent but before that also uh, i mean maybe after that we also had a conversation about the african girl child what can we do to ensure that our girls are actually learning and we had some very interesting conversation with a guest from mozambique and earlier on, we had a conversation, I mean, just to juxtapose it against the one for the African girl child, we talked about lifting up our hands for the African boy child. So we've also had some reflections of what's going on with the African boy child and what it is we can do to support both girls and boys. And not to forget the conversations we've had that touch on digitization. We've talked about digitization, talked about digitization. as a priority for us as a continent. And then we had time when we had us talking about WhatsApp and how WhatsApp is being used across the continent to support teaching, learning, and education intervention. So we've had quite some interesting conversations here. And of course, a lot of it has been more of outside classroom conversations, more of talking about the environment within which our teachers are teaching, talking about the mental well-being of our teachers and why it is important to pay attention to that. And now, as we begin from today's show, we want to have a special series where we will be looking 
into what's going on within our classrooms, issues related to instructional design, issues related to actual teaching. And so this today's show is just an introduction of that series. So I am now um, able to introduce or to pass on the mic to our guest of the day. So Mark, you're now in the house. Please uh, put on your mic, it's, it's on already. Please introduce yourself. All of us are eager to hear from you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike. Thank you very much, Doc. And uh, a very good afternoon from Ghana to all our listeners. Yes. I'm Mark Ado Kwafu, a graduate professional teacher, having taught for 16 years, a curriculum lead, and a trainer as well. Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about uh, the job I do. Mm -hmm. And my, 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 my vision is that Every child who passes through my hands at least is able to read and write and understand simple uh, arithmetic and English. That mm -hmm. is my, my, my passion for now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mark. Quite some, some statements there. I like the, the, the very uh, straight away mention of passion, that as a teacher, he's passionate about what he does. And we know that for all of us teachers, I mean, many of us, what really keeps us going and what keeps... What drives us a lot of that there's I mean many of us has a great I mean has have a significant dose of passion in us so it's great to hear Mark talk about that and then he's uh, he's talked about the fact that he's been a teacher for the last 16 years he is still teaching and is also a curriculum lead and trainer and I know that currently he's also a postgraduate student doing his master's in education in educational studies so Mark is actually riding uh, the waves quite a bit when it comes to issues related to education. So, Mark, thank you very much. And yes, we take your greetings from Ghana. On the show, we have a number of teachers from different parts of the continent, I believe, a majority of them coming, of course, from my backyard, Rwanda. But, of course, when, when we have, after the show, we'll have this uh, as a podcast and um, more teachers are able to listen to our conversations, those who are not able to join in. So we are really excited to have you, Mark, and thank you for joining and thank you for all those statements. I know that I looked for you um, in a very short time, but I'm really glad that you are up to the task. You are willing to My come pleasure. and have a conversation. So thank My you pleasure. very, very much. Um, Okay, so anybody from Ghana, if you're in the house, if you have escorted Mark to Teachers Talk Radio to be part of this conversation for the first time, please let us know through the text. Please let us know. Tell us I'm here from Ghana. We want to ensure that we recognize your presence because, well, Ghana is sitting on the hot seat and Ghana is going to steer the conversations today on behalf of the continent. So wow. thank you very much, um, uh, Mark. So today's conversation, as I told you yesterday night, we just want to sit back and think about our timetables, our timetables. We have timetables and within those timetables, we are able to write down how many, um, how many lessons we're going to teach in a day, how long each lesson is going to be, and um, what what really informs our thinking about timetabling of our lessons. So before I share what I gathered from other countries, I want to perhaps pass on the mic back to you and ask you to tell us a little bit about how the school timetable looks like in Ghana. How what I mean, how many lessons do you have in a day? How long is a lesson? How many breaks do you have in a day? And yeah, just tell us a little bit about 
cool timetables in Ghana. Back to you, Mike. Uh, thank you very much, Doc. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doc. So for, for us in Ghana here, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say that we have um, uh, two sessions in, uh, in our schools. We have the, the primary, primary session yes. and then the, the, the secondary session. Even with the secondary session, we have the junior high schools and then the senior high schools. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if, you, if you take the primary school sessions, mm-hmm. which spans from, let's say, kindergarten straight to primary six, mm-hmm. uh, they spend an average of seven hours a day in school. Mm-hmm. And uh, on a day, teachers do 10 periods, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 10 periods a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, a period is 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So normally a, a lesson may take, um, let's say, a, a double period. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will amount to one hour. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if it is mathematics and it is a double period, mm-hmm. it means 30 periods times two, giving you one hour. Yes. Uh-huh. So on the timetable, Mm-hmm. Normally in Ghana here, our schools normally start from seven. Some schools also start at eight, mm-hmm. and then it runs through to two or three p.m. That is seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. So we have schools have two breaks. They have the first break and then a second break of thirty minutes each. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at the calendar, you realize that the teachers actually in a day, we have to teach for between five to six hours Mm -hmm. a day. Mm -hmm. If you come to the junior high schools, Mm -hmm. it is the same. They also do 10 lessons, uh, 10 periods a day. Mm -hmm. 10 periods a day. So if if you are doing 10 periods a day, it means they are taking five subjects on the average for a day. Mm-hmm. Two periods for each for a, yes for a lesson, and then they also have two breaks. Now, mm-hmm. in in some of our schools, um, mm-hmm. there is a, a policy that uh, the children are fed, especially with the with the lower grade levels. Mm-hmm. So, for schools who are on the feeding program, their break time differs. Mm-hmm. If a school is on on the feeding program, they spend between 45 to one hour mm-hmm. feeding the, 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 the children. And so for those schools, they may not have 10 lessons in, in mm-hmm. a, a, 10 periods in a, a day. They may have nine mm-hmm. or in some cases, eight. Mm-hmm. And so that is how for us in Ghana, that is how our timetable uh, is structured. They spend seven hours in the school mm-hmm. and then they do 10 periods in a day. Wow. Okay. Great information right there. And I think our listeners are listening. And one of the things, one of the values that uh, one of the things you're trying to do through this uh, show, because when it is an afternoon show, then we're talking Africa education matters. One of the things we uh, we aim to achieve through this show is we are able to then compare notes and find out similarities and differences. And I can see that there are the teachers who are already reacting or responding to what you have outlined to us. I've seen somebody say 
10 periods a day is like here in Rwanda. So uh, they say, wow. okay, so you are doing 10 periods. We are also doing 10 wow. periods. So there's some similarity <laughs> or common thread there. But then, of course, Naomi is asking whether you, you, you teach in English um, and whether English is considered as a foreign language in your country. And I believe this will come back later when we're talking about the length of, 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 um, of, the, of, of, of our lessons. I can see people trying to call in. Please, if you want to call in, like Remera, you want to call in, call in. Please let me know whether you have a headphone. You can tell me, uh, Doc, I already have a headphone. I would like to speak in. That way I will be able to accept your call because if you don't have a headphone, we are going to have uh, some some echo. So, so Mark, um, thank you for that outline. So generally what you're saying is that whether you're in primary school, in kindergarten, or whether you are in junior secondary school, uh, which is after primary six, the students do an average of seven hours a day in the school. Exactly. And exactly. Um, generally, you say that our lessons or your timetable may start from 7 a.m. And perhaps if they start at 7 a.m., they might end at 2 p.m. and 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. I just wanted to clarify something before I ask my question. For junior secondary, how long is a single lesson? Is it still 30 minutes or is yes. it uh, something so, longer? So, yes. Okay. So, Doc, with, with the junior secondary school, mm -hmm. a, a lesson takes 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. If we are doing a double period, then mm -hmm. that will give us 70 minutes mm -hmm. for, the, for the junior high school. Okay. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So, 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 so that's the, the difference between the, the, the junior high schools and then the, the primary school. Whereas the primary schools take 30 minutes for a lesson, the junior mm -hmm. high school does 35 minutes for a lesson. Okay, great. Because I talked to a friend of mine from Ghana and she shared with me um, a timetable from her school. And the timetable seemed to suggest that the lessons are one hour. She told me that before it was 70 minutes, but now they have brought it down to one hour because of the situation. I mean, we're coming out from recovery from COVID. So instead of 70 minutes, they brought it down to 60 minutes. So from what you're saying, perhaps this school has decided that every subject has a double lesson. How, how common is such a practice in Ghana? Because you also say that you do 10 lessons, but you said on average you do five subjects. So that, that also kind of suggests that while one lesson is 35 minutes, the tendency is to have double lessons for each, each subject on each day. Is that the case? Yes, yes, yes. The, 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 the situation is such that... Um, with the with, with, with the with the timetable structure such that a subject will take a double period. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if a school is using thirty minutes for a period, then mm -hmm. it means that that particular uh, lesson is going to span for a period of one hour. Uh -huh. A period of one hour. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Uh -huh. That is in a situation where the school does thirty minutes for a period. If a school does thirty-five minutes for a period. It means that the lesson is going to span one hour, 10 minutes. Okay. One hour, so, 10 minutes. Okay. So anytime I walk into a Ghanaian classroom as a teacher, what I should expect is that I'm going to spend at least 60 minutes if I'm teaching in primary school 
or on average 70 minutes. At any one time I walk into the door, I am likely to spend 70 minutes because whatever I am teaching, uh, in most cases, I will be doing a double lesson. True? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. Really great information right there. And then you're saying you start as early as 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. and you try to finish at 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. So does it mean that at 2 p.m., when you finish having started at 7 a.m., Rhonda, I would like to know, when do we start our lessons? When you start at 7 a.m., does it mean that at 2 p.m., the children can go home? Hello, Doc. Ma Ma oh, okay, yes. 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 So uh, as I said earlier on, mm -hmm. um, the le lessons actually starts at either seven or eight yes. at two o'clock at two o'clock the school closes and then mm -hmm. the children can can actually go home if the oh. teachers have something to do with regards to let's say marking of exercises mm -hmm. preparing of uh, resources for the next day mm -hmm. they are they are at liberty to stay back and mm -hmm. uh, do those preparations mm -hmm. if oh, they have nothing to do in the school Mm -hmm. in terms of preparation for the next day's work, then they mm -hmm. also will have to leave. There are schools in Ghana here mm -hmm. who, after the normal school hours, would like to mm -hmm. do extra hours. Mm -hmm. Normally, um, what we do here in Ghana is that those schools, they will do one hour in addition to the, the normal school hours. Mm -hmm. So instead of, let's say, a school starting at 8 and closing at 3, that school would decide to close at four if they are doing uh, extra an extra hour in addition okay. to the normal school hours. Okay. But um, generally speaking, two o'clock, three o'clock, children are out of the school. Oh, okay. So in Ghana, so if you are listening from Rwanda and you're just trying to compare notes, what Mark is telling us is that in Ghana they start early by seven a.m. They're in class and uh, they're they're. Their, their lessons generally are double lessons. So uh, if you walk into class, you expect to teach for around 60 minutes or 70 minutes at secondary school. But the situation is such that by 2 p.m., the students have finished their lesson and they can go home unless they're doing some extra lessons. But on, on, on the expectation from the Ministry of Education is that generally students can finish at 2 p.m. or at 3 p.m. if they started at 8. But after that, exactly. students can go home. Teachers can stay back if, if they have some marking to do. Teachers can stay back to prepare for the following day's lesson. And then they meet again the following day at 7 a.m. So really interesting. Uh, yes. hello, 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 dog. Hello, dog. Yes. Let, me, let, me, let me also add uh, to it. You know, yes. Um, yes. there are schools in some communities where uh, elder of the children are very close to the school. Mm -hmm. Yes, most of the children live very close to the school. For for, for such a school, mm -hmm. they some of them may, may decide that instead of doing one hour after the normal school uh, hours mm -hmm. as extra, they rather shift it forward. So instead of starting at, uh, let's say, 7 a.m., mm -hmm. because the children or the students are very close to the school, they, mm -hmm. they, they decide to start at 6.30 in the morning. In Ooh. that sense, they may close around uh, two between two or two thirty, and then they will still have the extra um, um, hours they they want to do. 
Normally, those extra eyes are just to help the children to cut up with with um, uh, some of the lessons that didn't go down well with them. And so that is what they do uh, when it's time for the extra extra hour. So that is some of the things we do here in Ghana. Very interesting. I think I really like the flexibility that is there. In other words, it is it is not standard and given. The teachers are looking at their context. The students are living next to the school. So in this case, why don't we start early so that we finish early? And then the students can stay back to perhaps review the work that they have been taught and all that. So very interesting. And, and I believe as 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 uh, as um our audience is listening to you. They are taking notes about similarities and differences. And I'll come back to that. If you have a question, please remember this is Teachers Talk Radio. So we as teachers talk to each other so that we learn from one another. We share experiences. And I believe this is quite eye-opening. So I really would like to see comments uh, from different people and questions or um, ideas that you are catching, quote-unquote, from this conversation. But um, before I go into what I found out from other countries, I mean, across the continent, I, I mean, there's quite some similarities. Somebody has already said in Rwanda we also teach 10 lessons. But I think in Rwanda our lessons or our timetable go on up to around past or just around 3 o'clock. But before I come back to what I have found out from other from other um, countries. I want to hear from you as an educationist who has been um, teaching for the last 16 years, um, who is still growing in your, in your profession. You're currently doing your postgraduate studies. And as you said, you're really passionate about education. So when you look at your timetable in terms of when school starts or um, how things uh, start uh, work, is there anything you'd, you'd change? Um, um, in your school time, is that something that, what do you really like? Sorry, let's start with what you really like. And then let's start then and tell us why you like that feature of your timetable for teaching, but also for learning. And then perhaps something that you think maybe this is not going down very well. And it's something that in the short time future, we need to look into. Meanwhile, I will be getting a call after you speak. I'll try to bring in um, and a teacher also from Kenya who wants to join into the conversation. So tell me, what do you, what do you find really helpful about your timetable in terms of supporting teaching and learning and what might need to improve? Oh, okay. Uh -huh. So um, this is what I, I, I think uh, I like most about our, our, our timetable. If you look at our timetable, as you said earlier on, it's offers some opportunity for flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, if I if a school thinks that they can start very early, they are mm -hmm. liberty to do so. And then in that case, they have ample time to do extra uh, hours or spend extra time with, with learners who have learning difficulties. Mm -hmm. One thing I feel that it's maybe you have to change is with the fact that if you look at the, the primary school timetable, mm -hmm. I think that on a day, mm -hmm. uh, they are doing too much. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not so sure whether the, the children are able to absorb mm -hmm. all the lessons they are taking through. And mm -hmm. I, I feel that uh, given the opportunity, 
something should be done about about that. So that is a bit with what I feel that um, um, has to change, especially with the with the with the primary school timetable. With regards to the junior high schools or the senior high school timetable, I think it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So um, you say you like the flexibility. You can be able yes. to customize your timetable based on contextual reality. So you really like yes. that flexibility. Some people are starting at 6.30. Some people are starting at 7. Uh, some people are starting at 8. And so that's yes. really, you think, borders well with the situation on the ground. And um, exactly. But then you are questioning, um, especially for primary school, whether teaching our students for seven hours is actually um, beneficial, whether they're learning too much. I'm trying to yes. call um, um, somebody from, from, from Kenya who wanted to jump into the conversation, but that is not working for now. But I can see that Eugene says the number of periods is the same for Ghana and Rwanda. The difference lies in the duration of a period. Here in okay. Rwanda, each period counts for 40 minutes for both primary and secondary students. So I was going to bring that as a conversation point. You say that in most cases, when you walk into a classroom, you will teach for one hour or 70 minutes. Yes. In your observation, is this too long? Because what I've seen across many countries is that, yes, most of their lessons are between 30 to 40 minutes and not all periods are not all lessons or periods on the timetable are double. There are times that it is just 40 minutes. So tell us a little bit about the background around having double lessons and having up to 70 minutes in a classroom. Is it working for you more than the teachers? You know, there's, when we talk about teaching, we say you can be student-centered, you can be teacher-centered, yeah. but you can also be content-centered. Yeah. So, what's going on yes. in Ghana? Which of those are we oscillating to, especially in terms of how we use that one hour? What goes on? Yes. So, um, with, 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 let, let me start with the primary school um, um, timetable. You know, when you enter a Ghanaian primary school classroom, mm -hmm. and then uh, let's say you are observing a lesson which spans a period of one hour, Mm -hmm. um, we are using a curriculum uh, which is uh, uh, standard based, mm -hmm. and so the, the teacher prepares the lessons and then breaks the lesson into segments. Mm -hmm. So currently, they have three segments, and then the first mm -hmm. segment will have to take ten minutes, mm -hmm. and then the the next the second segment where they actually do the teachings, do the activities with the children, mm -hmm. will take. Mm -hmm. 40 minutes or so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. making uh, 15 minutes. And then they are left with 10 minutes to do their, their uh, summary and, 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 and stuff like that. So with the primary schools, I can say that the, the, the one hour, it's, it's okay. It's working Sorry, for Mark, them. Sorry, just one minute. Um, let me call you in a bit so that you join into the conversation. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. I was just talking to uh, somebody okay. who wants to join in from Kenya. Uh -huh, so okay. you're saying in private schools? No, I'll say that in the primary schools, the primary schools in Ghana mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. they are using a, a standard-based curriculum mm -hmm. and their lessons are structured such that it's in segments. So mm -hmm. a one-hour lesson is broken into three parts. Mm -hmm. They have a first session which takes 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Then they go to the second session, which takes about 40 minutes, mm -hmm. making 50. And then they mm -hmm. use 10 minutes to do a wrap-up and summary of the lesson. Mm -hmm. Now, so with the primary schools, the one are, it's okay, it's working for them. Mm -hmm. But if you come to the junior high schools, mm -hmm. their curriculum is such that teachers will have to go deep. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I, my observation is that in most cases, before the teacher is aware, mm -hmm. the, 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 the period is over and then he has not done much. Oh, with regard, really? in, terms, in terms of what actually he wants to do. Uh -huh. And so sometimes it becomes a, a, a problem. It becomes a problem. And that is where the teacher might stay back after school and then do extra um, um, hours. Normally with Sorry, the family Mark, school... Mark, Mark, let's drive back a little bit. So you're saying that at secondary school level, you have 70 minutes in a lesson with yes. um, at any one point, and yet what you're saying, your observation is that the teacher might observe that they have not done enough in exactly. those 70 minutes. Why exactly. is that the case? Why? I mean, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, what do you think is contributing to that? Because some uh -huh. of us so, are sitting here thinking 70 minutes is too long. Okay, so it's 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 because with the with the secondary school, junior secondary schools, they are mm -hmm. using an objective based uh, curriculum. Mm -hmm. Objective-based curriculum, and mm -hmm. within a lesson, which is let's say one hour or mm -hmm. seventy minutes, the teacher is expected to, um, I mean, um, make sure that he or she meets about three to four objectives. Uh -huh. Content about three to four mm -hmm. objectives, and mm -hmm. it becomes difficult. Sometimes one objective will have to take you several activities you need to take the okay. children through several activities to 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 achieve one objective so mm -hmm. if you are not fortunate and then uh, per your scheme of work and and other uh, and and then your your planning mm -hmm. a, a lesson have to cover three four objectives then you can imagine mm -hmm. you can imagine and you realize that uh, the 70 minutes will elapse and you have not even come if, if you are doing let's say four objectives you're not even covered two but with the, with the primary school uh, system, they are doing a standard-based mm -hmm. uh, uh, curriculum. And so they have just mm -hmm. one, one activity, uh, mm -hmm. at most maybe two activities for, for the entire duration. And they are able to go through that activity within, within one hour. And so that is what is creating okay. the problem with the... With the junior high school and the senior high school, the, ob the objective-based uh, curriculum, the lesson is supposed to cover at, at, at least three to four objectives. And that is where the difficulty mm -hmm. is, if you ask. Okay, just asking you as a curriculum lead and as a teacher, how did you arrive at the magical number four or three? In other words, saying that a lesson should cover two, I mean, four <laughs> objectives or three objectives, especially under this current situation. How do, who, how did we arrive Doc, at this um, it's, magical it's, it's, number called four? Uh-huh. So, Doc, if you look at our, our system, normally uh, in Ghana here, we spend between 40 to 42 weeks or at most 45 weeks in the academic year. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the, mm -hmm. the, the syllabus or the curriculum, 
for a particular grade level, mm -hmm. let's say junior high school mm -hmm. one, you take mm -hmm. maybe the math or the English curriculum, and you count mm -hmm. the number of objectives um, in there. Mm -hmm. Currently, we are doing a, a semester system. If you want mm -hmm. to count and then uh, the number of um, um, objectives there and divide by two semesters, you realize that for a week, you have to cover so much of objectives. And that is okay. what is going to be determine the number of objectives you, you, you do in, in, in a day. If you don't okay. do three, four, the mm -hmm. academic year will end and mm -hmm. you have some kind of backlog to, to, to clear. Understood. And, Understood. and that is what is accounting for the extra work teachers in Ghana do. I'm, okay. I'm sure I've heard about the term extra classes in Ghana here. I don't know whether mm -hmm. it's also mm -hmm. common in your, in your jurisdiction, but in Ghana here, it's very common, extra classes. Some uh, parents are so concerned that when they realize that, uh, that their, their teachers have not covered enough of the, the, the objectives, they will have to call in hey. um, teachers, hey. yes, teachers to come home and then help their awards out. So yes. uh, it is not teachers, um, it is not our fault doing mm -hmm. um, um, uh, three, four objectives, objectives a day, but the, the, the curriculum is structured such that that is how best you can uh, work out to complete the, 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 the syllabus. Other than that, the academic year will end and you haven't achieved much. So if we were to tick off the question I had, is it student-based, is it teacher-based, is it content-based? Which one would you tick off? <laughs> Based on your explanation. <laughs> uh, doc, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult to <laughs> it's I think, I think we're shy of saying, but <laughs> listening to how we arrived at the four objectives and how we um, end up, of course, and this, uh, is, yes, this so is a uh, challenge uh, to all of us, the syllabus, the syllabus, the syllabus. So there's a lot of content-based challenges that face yes. and influence how we teach and what we teach. Yes. And so I'm going to yes. pause there. I'm going to call um, a friend who wants to join into the conversation from Kenya, but he's not able to uh, join on Podbean because he's, he's at a place where um, internet is not very well. He's going to join in and he's going to tell us a little bit of what's going on in Kenya. But I hope those of us who are listening, you are hearing what's going on in Ghana. And I hope you are identifying some of the similarities. Um, the issues of... Um, Sorry, the issues of, of, of content, the syllabus always being one of the things that rears its face in front of us and how to ensure that we cover it is something that all teachers across the continent are grappling with. So it's not something that we are the only ones in our backyards grappling with. So um, as, as, as I try to get uh, my, my friend here from Kenya to, to join in, the question that somebody might ask, do, are you persuaded that as we try to, and I know you've tried talking about it, are you persuaded that as we try to get this thing going in terms of um, objectives and the number of objectives and the syllabus, you know, we can teach, but teaching in itself does not, is not equal to learning. Exactly. So, in the current um, organization of lessons, the number of lessons you have to do in a, in, 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 in a week, um, the number of um, how long the lessons are and what you do specifically in those lessons. Because what I'm hearing here is 
We have 70 minutes. And while I'm in class for those 70 minutes, my eyes are on the objectives. I want to try and get the students to understand each objective as much as possible. But I must always remember that I have an average number of objectives to try and cover every lesson. Otherwise, I might get into a backlog. And so I might have to look for additional time or my students will just find themselves in uh, a place they're not expected to be. So when you think about teaching and when you think about learning and think about how we have um, fashioned our, our, our timetable in terms of um, number of lessons you have to teach in a day, how long you have to teach, uh, is learning taking place adequately? Is our framework currently able to adequately support learning, not teaching, learning? And what, what is working in terms of it supporting learning or where do you think the gaps are? Because it's one thing to finish the syllabus, you as a teacher, tick them off. It's another thing for the students to actually engage with that syllabus. <laughs> uh, thank learning. you very much once again. Yes, yes dog. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's really interesting. You know, um, in Ghana here. Sorry, sorry, just one minute, Mark. Um, let me just see if we can get Yanuki on. Hi, are you in? Can you hear us? Good evening, Mark. Can you hear Yanuki on phone? Yes, I can hear. Okay, so. No, I was just asking the, the live listeners if they can hear you. So please, before, um, so we've been having a conversation. We have Mark from Ghana, who's been talking to us a little bit about what's going on in Ghana. They have a timetable that runs from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., an average of 10 lessons, um, and, and a lesson being around 40 minutes. Could you quickly jump in and tell us what's going on in Kenya? And most importantly, jump into the question I've just asked Mark. Are our students learning or we are just teaching? Uh, as uh, I heard about Marker, mm -hmm. we have a similar timetable exactly the, uh, the timing. Mm -hmm. Kenya, on average, high school, right? Yes. The lesson begins at 8 and the, the last one is at 4. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, we have an average of 10 to 11 uh, lessons. Mm -hmm. so timetable, 40 minutes, uh, the timetable. Mm -hmm. With a few breaks in between there, let's say at around 10, there's a break, there's another short break in between there, and there's the lunch, a lunch break, which is normally 30 to 30 minutes to one hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, they resume uh, classes in the afternoon, which runs all the way to four. And uh, basically, if you can ask me, it is a disaster that we are putting our children into. A disaster. It is because these kids wake up very, very early in the morning. Yeah, and then uh, they normally have uh, one called the, 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 the radio breaks. I think they call it Yeah, which uh, most schools are, it's not only an isolated case. You uh, find that, uh, like, uh, almost every school, every boarding school in Kenya. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is the, the, the bad luck 
in doing the government uh, circular, officially the circles begin, the lessons begin at the end. So it is really much pressure, very few hours, they wake up there in the morning, and basically because of the, 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 the competition that mm-hmm. we have in the country, meaning mm-hmm. the very limited spaces and universities and video uh, colleges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that really puts the children out a lot of pressure. And then, you know, they are children, but uh, they can't say anything about it, and the reaction that you might have had in new news and everything else. They react by maybe going to the extreme. Mm-hmm. They demand for more break. Mm-hmm. And since they can't just walk out of the school, they have to do something that will force the school to send them home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a lot of pressure. And that's why I say it's a disaster in the making. And it's never been thought out very well anyway because it is just a standard timetable that runs all the way from Northeastern Kenya, which is a very hot place. Mm-hmm. Mr. Nyanyuki from Kenya is for him it's a disaster because there are two things that he's concerned about or three things that he's concerned about. One is uh, first of all he says standard timetable runs from 8 p- eight a.m. to 4 p.m. which is a little different from Ghana because Ghana says if you start at 8 you end at 3. If you start at 7 you end at 2 and perhaps Mr. Nyanyuki what you missed out something unique from Ghana they say the schools have some freedom to, to decide on when they are starting. So some schools may start at 6.30 because kids are around the school. So they're trying to take care of the fact that these kids might not have to wake up too early. And if they start at 6.30, they're allowed to finish by one and go home. Um, so you're concerned about... Sorry? Yes, it's a very, so that's something, that's one strength that we can say uh, Ghana has, that sense of flexibility. But then there's the other thing you're saying, and this is something that uh, perhaps Mark will also jump into. How early is too early for our kids to start class? Do they have, do, do Ghanaian students have enough sleep? If you're a student, that this is just a very rhetoric, I mean, it's a question. If you're starting at 7 a.m. and you are in Accra, what time does that child wake up? Because I think in what you're saying, Nanyuki, which is true in Nairobi, we've had situations where children in primary school are seen in buses going to school, trying to go to school at 5 a.m. because there's traffic jam. And as you said, the timetable says classes have to begin by 8 or before 8. So, Mark, what, how do you deal with situations like... Um, traffic situation and students getting enough sleep for heaven's sake does that work in ghana <laughs> thank you for for um, our students in the the public uh, I, I hope Nanuki, you can still hear i'm sorry i can't hear mark can i go on yeah, Mark, go on. I'm, I'm trying to get the volume a little higher. Okay, Mark, go on. Okay. So what okay. happens in Ghana? 
Okay, so I'm saying that for, for our students in uh, public schools, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. uh, government schools, I can say that, yes, they, they, they get enough rest because normally mm -hmm. the, the, the public schools don't, don't, don't run the busing system. And so mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. and then catch the, the school bus. But for our students in the mm -hmm. private schools, mm -hmm. I think we are heading towards Ooh, danger. Danger. Some will have mm -hmm. to exactly. I had I had my children yes. in private school, and I have to yes. take them off the private school because of this mm -hmm. uh, menace. Because mm -hmm. the children will have to be at the bus stop as early as five thirty in the morning a.m. in the morning, mm -hmm. and the bus will drive them around town. For about two hours, speaking other 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 students, mm -hmm. and then it will get to the school around seven seven thirty, and then let's. And you think that's school. really similar to Kenya students being in the bus very early in the morning and making rounds for an hour before exactly. going to school. Mm -hmm. And it, the situation was the same when they close, they have to jump into the bus around three p.m., and then the bus will drop them off. Can you hear around us? Can you Around six. No, no, I think what Mark is explaining is that public schools don't seem to have such a problem because they don't catch buses. But he's explaining that the private school kids face the same ordeal as Kenya because he says, for example, kids might have to wake up at 5.30 to catch a bus. And then this bus makes rounds, picking other students. And so this child might be in a bus for one hour or more before the child finally gets to school. So I think it's a very similar situation with uh, what our um, private schools go through, especially in a city such as Nairobi. Mm -hmm. uh, when we were in high school, uh, we had to wake up 
You're back to secondary school. and have a conversation <laughs> yes true 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 there's their similarities and their differences so i'm going to jump back to ghana we've had quite a bit um from from uh, from from uh, Nyanyuki, i'm going to call you back to jump back in we're going to jump back into ghana and then i'll call you back and give you a brief so that you can jump up jump back in but i think what mr Nyanyuki is saying mark which i think is a big question in my mind is a we over teaching underlearning as we said as a parent you decided to even move your students are there emotional burdens and trauma that in the, in the process of trying to teach and cover the four objectives we might actually be uh, exposing our kids to so the issues of learning and the issues of the mental well-being of our children how can we better fashion our our timetables and our lessons to take care of those or are we under siege are we under siege by of course the so-called syllabus and who is going to save us anyway in this case you are the curriculum lead please let us know mark again hello mark? doc can you hear me hello doc can you hear me yes yes i hear you now okay uh, thank you once again. Um, <laughs> the issue as to whether we are over teaching or not, it's a difficult one. But mm -hmm. as, as a curriculum lead, mm -hmm. I think that what we should do now is mm -hmm. to try and integrate some of the subjects. Mm -hmm. In Ghana here, we have, for instance, a subject like uh, religious and moral education. Mm -hmm. And then a subject like social studies. Mm -hmm. These two subjects have similar themes. Mm -hmm. And I feel that we can integrate them so that we can reduce the number of subjects on the timetable. Yes. When that is done, then mm -hmm. I think this issue about whether we are over teaching wouldn't arise. If we, mm -hmm. we, we, we integrate them, if we integrate, mm -hmm. for instance, social studies and then religious uh, studies mm -hmm. into a subject, then we are going to have a less number of, of objectives to cover within the year. Mm -hmm. And that will bring the, the, the pressure down on the children. Earlier on, you asked whether the children are learning mm -hmm. or, or not. I'm mm -hmm. not sure our children are actually learning. I, because mm -hmm. I, I feel that at this point, they are, they are, they are being overburdened. Mm -hmm. They are being overburdened. They don't actually know which subject to even uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, read. They are mm -hmm. being overburdened. Now, in terms mm -hmm. of whether um, 
uh, the teachers are helping the children to learn. I can say that for schools um, that are well equipped with uh, learning resources, then the, the student will have an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. But in Ghana here, most of our schools are not well resourced in terms mm -hmm. of teaching aids. Mm -hmm. And so that, that is where the teacher will have to go to the class mm -hmm. and then talk for one hour mm -hmm. or 70 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then the children actually don't have anything to do. They don't have any role to play in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the lesson. So mm -hmm. they, they finish the lesson and then the children, you realize that you have done the lesson, you have, you have, you have taught, but the children mm -hmm. have not achieved anything. Yes. So, yeah. so, so going forward, as uh, mm -hmm. you said, I think that there should be a conversation around uh, 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 this topic so that we can look at a situation where we can integrate some of the, 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 the subject. It's the same with the primary schools in Ghana here also. When we, the primary schools moved from the objective base to the standard-based curriculum, mm -hmm. we had a situation where uh, religious studies mm -hmm. um, was taken away. It was integrated uh, with another subject. And then here, I remember religious leaders, faith-based mm -hmm. organization, kicking against it. The authorities had to bring back religious uh, studies. And the, the situation is said that they treat the same theme in the religious mm -hmm. studies, and then they meet the same theme, the same topic in the mm -hmm. other, other, other subjects. And I think it's, it's a burden to the, to the, to the, to the students. And so we have Bad to look day. at the situation, okay. yes, where we can, a situation where we can integrate some of these uh, subjects into subjects. one, so that mm -hmm. it will reduce the number of objectives. When the number of objectives are, are reduced, the teachers will have ample time to also plan for the lessons and prepare mm -hmm. adequate and relevant teaching materials so that when the children are able to manipulate those materials, then learning actually will take place. But in a situation where teachers have to go to the class, talk for one hour, 70 minutes, and then uh, the, the students have nothing to do with their hands, I'm not sure <laughs> uh, the children <laughs> are actually learning. Yes, something, sure. something to think about. Um, you are not sure. We as a continent need to find out whether we are sure that learning is taking place in our classrooms under the current circumstances. We're going to come back and have a little bit of a conversation around that. But before we go on, allow me, allow, allow, uh, let's take a, a short advertisement break and then we'll be back to talk about how can we make sure, taking into some of the suggestions Mark is already sharing. Please, let's talk about how can we make sure learning is taking place in our classroom, not just teaching in the continent. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Thank you. So, yes, so I think what you're going back to what you're saying is that teaching, our teachers actually know how to teach to make learning take place. 
but there are policy realities that are actually presenting a challenge for them to be able to do that. So listening to you, your concern is that even the 70 minutes you use in the classroom, most of the time, teachers are forced to talk, talk, talk for two reasons. One, they have the four objectives that they're trying to cover as much as possible. Number two, you're saying there are limited resources um, that perhaps they might use to ensure that the lesson is active. We'll come back to some of these conversations. But you see, Mark, the reason why I sometimes think we need to talk to ourselves as, as, as a continent, and this is not just a situation with basic education, it is even more clearer when you go to the higher level. I mean, I was privileged to do, um, I mean, I'll, I'll give two examples. I was privileged to do my postgraduate studies outside the country. And I had done a master's in my country, Kenya, but then I also got an opportunity to do a master's outside. And it was amazing. The lecturers outside hardly taught us. They came to class, they asked us whether we had the resources, they pointed us to resource A, B, C, D, and then having given us a sense of what we needed to do, they, they, they stepped back and allowed us to engage with whatever it is, the resources that they had given us. And at the end of the day, we were to produce something. Now, I was comparing that to my master's experience, and I'm using this, but I, I want to bring it down to the basic level. I compared that and I said, wow, back in Kenya, when I was doing my master's, it was timetable from morning to evening. It was a teacher talking for one hour in my classroom. This teacher hardly speaks for 15 minutes. But at the end of the day, the work that I have to do as a student, I had to, you have to do so much. But what happens eventually is that you actually become a master of that particular, whatever it is that you're doing. So it left me with this feeling that I think we tend to do too much. We want to sweat it out. And that's what you're saying also, even in terms of subjects. We want to have too many subjects, which translates into too many objectives. We, 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 we want to believe that the more we sit in the classrooms and the longer we sit in the classrooms, perhaps the more learning is taking place. But I think um, as we continue this conversation into the next sessions, we'll be looking at the science of learning. How does learning take place? There are concepts like cognitive load, where we are talking about the working memory versus the long-term memory, of course, and the sensory memory. And the reality that research suggests that everything we receive have to get its way into the working memory, but the working memory can only carry a limited amount of items at any one time. So if a child has to sit in class the whole day with teacher A, B, C, D coming to bombard them with uh, 70 hours of talk and another one 70 hours of talk, 70 hours of talk, from on the basis of the science of learning and theories such as the cognitive load theory, I guess we need to sit back and really ask ourselves, what are we up to? What are we really up to? And how soon or how long are we going to take before we actually perhaps adjust things as you're suggesting, Mark? But do you think um, there is enough um, engagement with, for example, you know, you're a postgraduate student. Do you think as you do your postgraduate program, as you look at, you know, conversations at the postgraduate level, do you think that um, 
as we engage with our teaching and learning, as we think about the length of lessons and, and how long the lesson should be. And I know I gave the example of a postgraduate, so it might look a little out of place, but I'm also reminded of a situation where I had my daughter move from a public school into an international curriculum setup. And it was interesting to observe their timetable. It was so flexible. They had the whole Wednesday afternoon free, the whole Friday afternoon free. Their lessons ended at three and perhaps started at eight. And in between, they had some lessons that they were not necessarily in class because they were just doing a few subjects. But what struck me is that when my daughter was in the public system in Kenya, she wasn't doing well. In fact, I didn't think she would quote-unquote make it to the university. But then she came into this system. The content they were doing was actually tougher because like in mathematics, she would bring the math to me sometimes to support her. The content was more complex. But lo and behold, the girl thrived in this new system. She was actually able to get herself up. She was more in charge of her learning and she did very well. So what's going on in our classrooms? What's going on in our schools? As you think about it as, as, as a curriculum lead, as you think about it in the context of research and education, are we drawing enough from what the evidence from education research to inform our objectives, our timetable, the length of teaching? What do you think? I mean, is that something we're doing enough of as a continent, Mark? When you look at Ghana, for example, Doc, uh, no, thank you. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure in Ghana here, uh, public schools can uh, have any day free. I mean, on, on the timetable, it won't happen. <laughs> it will happen. At least you have the afternoon free. That's good. <laughs> well, uh -huh. so. Uh, the, the the issue is that <laughs> we have to take a second look of, uh, at how our system is structured. Mm -hmm. How our system is structured. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you 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 want to know whether uh, actually learning is taking place in our classrooms or or, or, or not. Mm -hmm. I feel that what we need to do now, as I said earlier on, is to look at our curriculum or our syllabus again and see whether we can do some kind of uh, integration mm -hmm. and then also get the schools resourced with uh, learning materials mm -hmm. you know uh, in Ghana here um, some of our schools are located uh, at places where it becomes very difficult for teachers to get the teaching materials the, the, the teaching aids mm -hmm. the manipulators for the, for, the, for the students to um, uh, work with Mm -hmm. So for, 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 for schools in those places, if the, the, the students don't have the opportunity to, to engage the, the, the materials, mm -hmm. then learning actually can't take place. Because learning mm -hmm. cannot take place in isolation. The children will have to do something so that the teacher will know whether indeed they have gotten the concepts or mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So... It becomes very good, and that is where we we we, we count on authority to support um, um, those those schools. Again, I think our teachers must also be empowered, such that mm -hmm. any lesson they, they take with the with the student mm -hmm. will have a bearing on their everyday life activities. 
-hmm. And what I've realized is that as a curriculum leader is that um, some teachers take children through lessons mm -hmm. and then they fail to point out to the, to the student mm -hmm. um, how those concepts they are taking the children through are going mm -hmm. to help uh, in their everyday life activities. So, for instance, mm -hmm. if you go to, let's say, a primary six classroom and then you are teaching fractions, Mm -hmm. You got to, the teacher should should be able to point to the to the to the to the student mm -hmm. where fraction can be seen in their everyday life activities. I mean, they mm -hmm. they, they the children do share they share uh, things and then they do a lot of uh, sharing and stuff like that. And that mm -hmm. that, that that is fraction. Fraction is, is, is sharing. But um, we are faced with a situation where because we lack the resources, the teachers who have to go to the class do all the talking for. One hour, and then mm -hmm. on the one hour, they ask the, 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 the student, Do you have mm -hmm. any, any questions? And then <laughs> you're gonna hear the, the children, the, the students will respond, uh, No question. And then you pack out and leave the class. And <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's not that is the situation. I, I should be frank, I must be frank with, with, with you. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is a situation in most of our schools in Ghana here. The teacher mm -hmm. does everything. And then in some schools where uh, resources have to prepare so that they can go around all children. The teacher has w just few of the of the resources, and then so he used the resources to do a demonstration lesson, and then the children cannot practice. Mm -hmm. They they have no opportunity to practice um, what they have uh, uh, been taught, and mm -hmm. so at the end of the day, you can't actually measure whether. These students have have learned the thing or not, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. think, as we have said, maybe it is time for us to come together as a continent and start mm -hmm. looking at how best we can resolve some of these issues. Other than that, <laughs> what is going to happen in Ghana here is that we are going to have a situation where people who have the financial muscles mm -hmm. will take their children out of the the, the, the normal school system and then uh, move them to the the international schools, the schools running the British curriculum and then the American curriculum. Where, Which is sad. Uh, exactly. Where the children will have uh, uh, the opportunity to practice what they have, they have, they have learned. It's, it's sad. It's sad. You, my, my children come, to, come from school, you ask them what they have learned, they will tell you we, we, we did this and that. Then you ask them how is that concept going to help them in their everyday life activities. And they cannot give you any 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 concrete uh, uh, thing to show that indeed they're actually uh, 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 learning and it's 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 a problem so yes as, as i've said i think it's time for us as a continent to come together and start looking at the situation before it gets out true. of time. true and, and i think the thing that we're saying is we if we come together then we can come up with homegrown solutions because exactly. yes we have to acknowledge certain things like we may we may not get all the resources that we require but we also need to ask ourselves, you know, how do we even structure? I mean, as you say, do we have to teach all the things we are insisting on teaching? Um, or is it such that? Because when you look at other countries, I, I mean, I was just talking to, um, I spent four years um, in the UK and I used to look at, I used to sometimes have to escort students, my friends, daughters or kids to school. And it was amazing. I mean, we'd be walking down to school around 8.30. That's when we are walking down to school. Uh, classes begin officially at nine. And um, by three latest, everybody is done with their lesson. So technically, 
they are in school for shorter hours than we are in school. Um, and we need to ask ourselves whether we can come to a point where we know we can do perhaps less, but do it better and create a platform for our students to learn. Because the other question we should be asking ourselves, like in Ghana, I really like the fact that children can go home at two. So maybe, or at three. So maybe it means uh, if I'm staying close by, the latest I'll be home is three o'clock or four o'clock. But do we know what what goes on at that point? I mean, what do, do, what do students tend to do when they get home? I mean, do they have time? Have we built in the understanding that it is important for our students, for example, to re-engage with what they have been taught? They space it out, but they need to re-engage with it as part of supporting the process of learning, as part of helping facilitate what they may have captured in their working memory down to their long-term memory. To what extent do we talk to our students about how learning takes place and what their role is in the learning? Because it's not just about the teacher. There is a lot that the students need to do, perhaps in the classroom and maybe after the classroom, depending on the context. Okay, hello, hello, Doc. Yes. Doc, I think, Doc, I think on, on that regard, we, we in Ghana have not done much. We have not done much. We only look mm -hmm. at um, when they are, they are in school, our engagement with them, and that is all. Mm -hmm. As to what happens after mm -hmm. school, uh, I'm not too mm -hmm. sure teachers in Ghana <laughs> are so much interested in, in, in that. Yeah. But, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. But uh, I want to add an angle. I want to look at an angle as to whether uh, one of the mm -hmm. things that is also contributing to uh, uh, this situation in the class where our teachers do all the talking and then the, the children have the opportunity to practice. Uh, in Ghana, our system mm -hmm. instructor said that we have, apart from heads of schools, we also have supervisors mm -hmm. who come from the educational directory to supervise what goes on in our in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. They are Hello, Mark. Main, mm -hmm. main objective mm -hmm. is to make sure that teachers have covered the objectives in the in the syllabus. Mm -hmm. As to whether the children have gotten the or have mastered the concepts or not, it is none of their business. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> if if they come and then the academic year is getting to a close, and uh, you have not met their expectation in terms of the number of objectives you have to um, achieve. You are queried as mm -hmm. a teacher. You are queried. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what is happening is that, okay, so the teachers have realized that um, um, the interest of these supervisors mm -hmm. uh, lies in the fact that they have to cover, I mean, the mm -hmm. objectives in the, in the, in the, in the syllabus. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they do everything possible to, do, to meet that expectation. Mm -hmm. And then as they do that, they, they neglect the, the, the activities that will mm -hmm. aid learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, are, we are tempted to, 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 to neglect those activities because you have one hour and then to, to do a lesson and you have four or three objectives to, to, to achieve. And at the end of the day, it is expected that you achieve all the objectives in the syllabus before the academic mm -hmm. year ends. So what does the teacher do? You have to um, hijack the class Mm -hmm. Do all the talking and mm -hmm. ask whether the child gets the understanding or not. Uh, the teacher cares less. And when the, <laughs> uh, the students leave the school, they mm -hmm. leave, leave the school and, uh, uh, and, and then uh, goes home, 
as to what happens after class hours is <laughs> none of the business of, of, of the teachers. So I think as we, we move uh, ahead, mm -hmm. if there's an opportunity for us to engage stakeholders, they must also look at that, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. the supervisors will also be interested in the fact that learning is actually taking place. Currently in wow. Ghana, they are only interested in the fact that uh, 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 lessons are, are, are going on in the classrooms. That is all. Whether it is uh, whether learning is taking place or not, I'm not too sure they are, they are bothered. So that is one of the things I also want to draw your attention to. Yes, and that's a very important one. I keep telling people because I do teacher training here. And one of the focus areas in our teacher training, we say it's not just about teacher training. We look at the issues of resources. We look at the issues of community, uh, what's going on with the community, what con kind of conversations are going on in the community around, they say, the sciences that you're trying to promote. But then we also have an opportunity, very critical policy dialogue. And I keep telling people, teachers may know how to teach but they will teach as per what is expected of them. So you're saying if the supervisors are coming into the classrooms to supervise students, I mean teachers, and the only thing they're interested in is how many objectives have you covered? They're not interested, as you say, it's, it's like it's none of their business about whether students are learning. Then as you say rightly, the teacher will also only focus on how many objectives have I covered? whether the yes. students are learning. So it's a sad situation. The teachers are forced not to care about whether the students are learning, especially in the immediate effect. The so-called supervisors walk into our classrooms and they're not looking at the student. They're looking at the teacher and what the teacher is covering. So as you say, we have a spiral effect of learning not taking place. So there's this issue of performance management that has slowly crept into our schools. And I think in a subsequent um, uh, show, we'll be talking about how do we better performance oversight, quote-unquote supervision. How do we do it in a way that would support learning and not just teaching? On that note, allow me to take a break, a news break, and then we come back to conclude our conversation. Of course, as I said, this is just the introduction show of conversations about instructional practices and policies around that in African schools. And we're talking about the challenges, but hopefully we're also pointing at what we need to do. So let's listen to the news of the day, of the weekend, and then we come back to close um, the conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. In a Teachers Talk Radio News special, we focus on a report in the Guardian newspaper where two Ofsted inspectors voice their fears for vulnerable children being educated in unregulated facilities. According to a report in the Guardian newspaper, some vulnerable children, excluded from mainstream schooling, are being educated in unregulated and illegal schools, some based in caravans on farmland and on industrial estates and business parks. Ofsted inspectors have reported to The Guardian in an attempt to lift the lid on a murky world. Victor Shafi'i and Sue Will, who focus on unregistered and illegal schools, brought to the inspectorate's attention through referrals from a worried parent or local authority, say alternative provision for children who cannot be accommodated in mainstream education is complex and growing. 
For most children who are struggling in mainstream schools, there are high-quality state-funded pupil referral units and good independent alternative provision, which is registered and monitored by Ofsted, and these can offer a good short-term fix. But because of a shortage of places in this provision, there is also a growing unregistered sector, which is what concerns Ofsted. If an AP offers part-time provision, it is not required to register and so will not be inspected by Ofsted. It only becomes illegal if it is not registered and is offering full-time or almost full-time education. The report considers that the landscape becomes even murkier when children who have been excluded are referred to oversubscribed pupil referral units. They may then be subcontracted to an unregistered setting. And it can mean that troubled and challenging children, some of whom the report states are as young as five, are being sent to schools in unsuitable accommodation with unqualified staff and may be receiving little in the way of education. Shafi, Ofsted's Deputy Director of Unregistered and Independent Schools, states, The big question for me is, what's happened out there? Have children suddenly become worse behaved? What is it that's fundamentally changed that means more children are going to APs and primary kids are increasingly going to APs? Because this area is so obscure, we just don't know. Sue Will is one of a small team of Ofsted inspectors who since 2016 have been going out to unregistered and illegal settings across the country. I've been to settings in caravans on farmland, we've been to grubby halls, another favourite is on industrial estates, she said. We've started to identify more primary children at these settings in the last 18 months, but that's not to say they weren't there before. We're really working in the dark here. There's no regulation, there's no requirement for paperwork, it really is the unknown. In a follow-up opinion piece by Amanda Spielman, those most likely to be harmed are being sent to places with the least oversight, it's vital all alternative provision is registered, she says. Every child, regardless of their background, deserves a good education and the chance to reach their full potential. But some children, often the most vulnerable, just don't get that chance. She goes on to state that whilst the government does not collect specific data, it seems a likely estimate, based on the Department for Education's own statistics for England, that the number of children in alternative provision has risen by 14% over the last four years to more than 45,000. And with the detrimental impact that COVID and lockdown have had on many young people, she feels that we may well see a further rise this year. In light of the increase in the data, Amanda Spielman states that she's commissioned new research to better understand the role that alternative provision plays in the education system, and to find out why primary age pupils, some as young as five, are being referred to alternative provision in the first place. She acknowledges that the scale and diversity in the sector means oversight arrangements can be complicated and that the quality of education can vary greatly. The article goes on to point out that the law says that if an AP provider operates full-time, it must be registered with the Department for Education and be inspected by Ofsted. Otherwise, it is an illegal school but acknowledges that unregistered provision gets no comparable, consistent scrutiny. And for the past 10 years, the Ofsted has been calling for mandatory registration of all alternative provision, no matter how many hours they are open or how many children attend. She believes that without this, there is little assurance that their pupils are getting a good full-time education. Finally, the article goes on to acknowledge that no child deserves to be left to languish and fail that schools need consistently good alternative provision that helps re-engage these children in education. Spielman concludes with the comment that children deserve no less. This has been your Teachers Talk 
Radio Weekend News. Yeah, so that's the news. And I, I like um, when, I mean, I like the term there where they say children deserve no less. Of course, the context of that news is Britain and we can hear, of course, every education system has its own challenges. But I think listening to that news, part of what really caught my attention is just that emphasis that every child has a right to quality education. And we, I mean, as, as, a, as a news concluded, children deserve no less. And what we are talking about today is, are we doing that for our children in Africa? Even looking at the way we fashion our timetables and the length of the lessons. And I think what Mark has talked about is the length of the lesson, for example, one hour, may still work depending on how we use it. If we use it for elaboration activities, if we use it to inbuild examples that connect to real life, if we use it to facilitate and allow conversation around what it is that we're teaching, then perhaps it is not too long. But if we use it for talk, 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 then it even become more strenuous for the students because I once was teaching and I, I, did, I did a test uh, with my students where I asked them questions at the end of the lesson. There were five questions. The last question was on something I taught towards the end of the lesson. And what I saw that was years back is my students seemed to get all the questions that were, were connected to the, what I taught earlier on. And many of them seemed to not get the question on what I taught towards the end of the lesson. So for me, just a signal that we have to be very careful about thinking through some of these things. And I mean, going back to going back to the news, you know, there was that sense of they need to go back to research. And I think I asked that question, to what extent are we continuously engaging with the research on, let's say, science of learning or aspects like, you know, neuroscience and how our brain works? And how does that then inform how we approach teaching, how we approach fashioning of our, of our timetables and the kind of conversations perhaps we need to have with the students about their involvement. So this has been a very interesting conversation. It's just the beginning. In the next shows, we're going to have more conversations about what's going on in our classrooms. And as we do so, we'll be looking for additional platforms to echo the cry that we need to come together as a continent and ensure that our focus is not just on teaching and counting and ticking off the objectives. Our focus should be primarily on learning. Are our children learning? So Mark, we have to close the show. And so I have to come back to you. I'm looking at some of the comments people have said, uh, they've liked the show. They have, um, there have been the issues of resources that has really caught people's attention. Just to read Daniel's comment, he says, the big issue is that of lack of material and resources. Learners and teachers sometimes fail to practice what they have learned. So it can cause some learner and teacher to be weak. In this case, the person is talking about science. In other words, understanding the science. Then he goes ahead to say, science hour for the country, the school, for no facility, for putting in action science, learn at school, what advice for them? So anyway, this teacher is talking about, of course, agreeing with you that resources are important and that would aid in ensuring we teach for learning. In the UK and some of these other countries, there's now a phrase called teach for learning because they realize you can teach for teaching, which sounds like that's what we are doing, teaching for teaching. But there's like a call that. for us to 
teach for learning. So now they're talking about how, do, how does a lesson plan that is teaching for learning look like compared to a lesson plan that is teaching for teaching. So these are conversations we need to start having in the continent. And I want to bring it back to you, Mark, to perhaps make your last reflection, even as we draw to a close of this show. It's been very interesting and having you share your thoughts on what's going on in Ghana. Back to you, Mark. Uh, thank you, Doc. I think I, I, I like the, the, the expression you just uh, shared, uh, uh, teaching for learning and then teaching for teaching. <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to share this with my, my, my colleagues in Ghana. Yes. I'm going to ask them whether they're actually teaching for teaching or they're actually teaching for, 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 for learning. <laughs> That's quite interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So my closing remarks, I, I, I feel that um, as the news item uh, uh, mentioned, Mm -hmm. And our children deserve a quality education. Mm -hmm. And a quality education won't happen in a, a, a vacuum. Mm -hmm. um, things must happen mm -hmm. for, for, for teachers to give out quality education. Mm -hmm. My prayer is that um, as a continent, mm -hmm. we'll raising together, we'll come together, mm -hmm. raising together, find solutions to some of the challenges we are faced with in terms of uh, our, our system, how it runs. Mm -hmm. I'm praying that I want to get, we want to get to a situation where our governments will spend enough resources, uh, 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 resources in terms of uh, money mm -hmm. on uh, procuring um, um, learning materials for our, mm -hmm. our, our learners. Mm -hmm. Because as a curriculum lead, I've, I've come to understand that Children will only learn and learn better when we give them opportunity to practice what they have been taught. Mm -hmm. If they don't have the opportunity to practice, we wouldn't know whether actually they are learning or not. Mm -hmm. And so if you ask, as we, we conclude, my, mm -hmm. my appeal, my appeal mm -hmm. is that authorities will try as much as possible mm -hmm. to resource all our schools, especially our schools in remote areas, deprived mm -hmm. areas. You're going to hear some of our schools are in the hinterlands. Mm -hmm. We have even schools on cocoa farms. Mm -hmm. We we are appealing to authorities to resource these schools. Those mm -hmm. children there are also Ghanaian children. Mm -hmm. They are also African, Africans. They deserve mm -hmm. the very best in terms of education. Mm -hmm. And so whatever they have to do to make sure that the teachers are well equipped. The schools are are, are, are well equipped with, with learning resources. They have to do that so that when the teacher enters the classroom, he will teach for learning and will mm -hmm. not teach for teaching. Hello, Mark. Are you still there? Hello. So um um I. I can't hear you, Mark, but I think you're just coming to your closing point that one of the big, big anthem we're going home with out of this conversation is that we Hello, need to Doc. work together with all the stakeholders. Hello. We need yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Go ahead, Mark, as we close. Yes, Hello, Doc. can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Hello. 
Yes, I can hear you, Mark. Please go ahead. Please, in one minute or half a minute, make yes. your parting shot. Mark? So um, we obviously seem to be having uh, yes. a challenge. So, yes, so, go ahead. So, so, hello, Doc. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay, Mark, um, we may have to stop there because of time. We can't hear you for now, but I, I think we get we get your closing remark. Let's teach, let's work together as, as stakeholders. Let the government support the teachers. Let's, as teachers, reflect on the reality that we may teach for learning and we may be able to work together. Supervisors in our classrooms, let us change our, our focus. Is learning taking place, not just teaching taking place and there's a lot that we need to have a conversation on but i think we've laid the ground for the next series of conversations going back into the science of learning and asking ourselves to what extent or how can we rally ourselves reason together as a continent because every child deserves a deserves quality education and no child whatsoever, whether they're in the remote places, whether they're in the cocoa farms, as Mark was saying, or in the dry areas, as Nyanyuki from Kenya was saying, no child deserves less. Every child deserves um, quality education. And part of it starts with how we envision our classrooms, the length of time and how we use that time. So quite a bit to think about. This has been Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist rocking the air from Kigali, Rwanda, and bringing us together as teachers and educationists from across the continent. This is the beginning of that cry for us as a continent to come together and reason together as we share experiences, as we identify the similarities, as we look at the challenges that are facing us, then we get to understand the task at hand. And so we can really uh, rise up and together step forward to surmount the task. So I believe something will change as we continue these conversations and as we continue challenging one another. Let's do our best, each one of us in our classrooms. Even though you are under the pressure of the supervisor, please always ask yourself, what can I do under these very difficult situations to ensure that I am actually increasing the opportunity for students to learn during my lesson and not just teach them. How else can I support my students to know what they can do to also support their learning? So we will be back next Sunday afternoon. Let's have a good, great weekend. Please come back and listen to this recording. It will be available in a bit. There's quite a bit to take away and quite a bit to have conversations on in our staff rooms and with our fellow teachers. This is your very own education doctor and education evangelist, Dr. Herino Cheno, signing out now and thanking you for keeping me company and being part of the conversation. Over and out, salute. Let's close this show. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.